The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. We'll be your host for today. And we are continuing the series through the book of Colossians. Really, this entire book is exalting Jesus and looking looking at what does it look like to follow Jesus in a world and in a culture that goes against who he is and goes against the grain of Jesus. That's what this book is all about. And so uh, in the last episode, we talked about uh, the first few verses of chapter 3, and what it looks like to fix our eyes on Jesus, to seek the things that are above, to set our minds on the things that are above. And that's where the true power is going to come from and overcoming lies, overcoming deceit, overcoming our sin. And this next study really just continues that conversation. Uh, so I'm going to pick up reading in verse five of chapter three and we'll dig in. It says this, therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust evil desire, and greed, which is it idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Nate, you want to pick up from there and read the next little bit before we dig in? Sure. Uh, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another. Wow, that was a weird pause. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Awesome. So I say this is a continuation of the conversation on the last episode about Colossians because of verse five. Therefore, whenever you see therefore in scripture, you need to ask what it's there for. Like what, <laughs> What's the purpose of it? Uh, it relates to what just came before it. And it says, basically, because you are seeking what's above, because your eyes are fixed on Jesus, because he is now your life, you've been crucified with him. It's now he who lives in and through you because of all of those truths put to death what is of your sin, your earthly nature, what doesn't belong to him. And then it begins to list these things off, um, things that I think we kind of generically know 
our sin, but then the scripture really wants us to, hey, there's sexual immorality going around rampant in the world. And we would say that in our culture today too. Mm -hmm. um, social media and TV and all these things, apps on our phones has, I think, exacerbated that and spread it at a deeper level and, and more widespread even so. Um, and it, it's uh, super secret now. <laughs> yeah, it's There's true. That. Like before you kind of had to really be bold to, to do something. Right. Um, now it's like, oh, I'm just sitting at home. Yeah. Nobody knows. So um, really, we, we could simplify it and say, what is sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire? What what in, what does that encompass? And basically, uh, scripturally, you can read it lots of places. Romans 1 is clear. Galatians 5 is clear. You can go look them up. Anything outside of the bounds of one man and one woman united together before God in marriage, anything sexually outside of that is sin. Mm -hmm. And now you're probably like, wow, you guys are like old school on that. Come on, man. I'm like, hey, listen, I know it feels good. And you're like, hey, this this feels good. It feels right. I like it. It's enticing. Yeah, because temptation isn't going to be something that you dislike. Yeah. I mean, imagine, uh, Nate, what's what's a, a drink that you just hate, like a soda or something? <clears throat> I don't I don't like coffee. Coffee, great. Hey, I just had a cup right here. If I'm like, bro, I got you some nice coffee. Like, I know you're not supposed to drink, but just have a little bit. I mean, right. just come on, man. You'd be like, bro, I don't even I don't I don't even like it. Like, why would that's not enticing to me? But for me, I'm like, man, I just got these beans from Honduras where I was traveling last week, and they are. I didn't know Honduras is like awesome on coffee. They have like eight ways, like on a shelf of how to make coffee. Mm. And if you go into like a shop, they'll start explaining to you, well, here's where we get our beans and here's how they're roasted. And here's the eight ways. And you'll <laughs> notice if you make it using this filter, it, it brings out these flavors. And then they're like, you know what? You're nice. Why don't you just try a little bit of this and try a little? I mean, I'm like, what kind of place is that? If that was sin, I would be so tempted. Uh, and so we're enticed and tempted by our own evil desires, things that we like, that we long for. And uh, while it's nice at first and feels good at first, whatever that sin may be, um, I'll tell you, it will leave you hopeless, empty, and depressed in the long term. Yeah, there's a there's a reason that Jesus gives these rules um, or that scripture gives these rules. Yeah, uh, the, God is not up there just being like this big meanie trying to like withhold things from you. Uh, something I'm learning as a brand new parent, you know, less than a year still, but uh, even more as a youth pastor is I can look at a group of kids and because I'm just developmentally 30 years old compared to their, you know, 15, 12, whatever years old, I can look at where they're at in life and I can be like, if you just took my advice, you could avoid a lot of pain and suffering, but I know like the, the temptation to not take my advice is very high. Uh, God took it a step further and was like, hey, I'm giving you these rules. Thus saith the Lord, don't do these things. And it's it's for your own good. If you just if you obey these rules, believe me, you'll be blessed. Uh, if you disobey these rules, just like Charlie was saying, believe me, you'll you'll experience the consequences. I'm he as the Lord. He's just saying, like, I'm just trying to help you avoid the consequences yeah. that come. Listen, like sexual immorality. Uh, so let's just let's just cut cut to the core, right? Lots of people claiming to be Christians and sleeping with somebody before they're married, right? 
we could say, oh, it's no big deal, you know, like it, it's two consenting adults, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, but that's not really the fullness of the picture. The fullness of the picture is that every time that you're engaging in in a sexual act with somebody, you're you're gaining a, a deep, deep level of intimacy. Like God says they become one flesh. And then let's say that relationship ends and all of a sudden this one flesh is is torn apart and a little bit of you gets left with that other person. I, I, I know that's a little bit like storybook. Yeah. No, but like your, your heart is tied to them at a deeper level. Right. Like the scriptures say, like you're one flesh. It's true. And, and like, and, and you carry a little bit of them with you. Yeah. Meaning that you have, when you finally get to your marriage relationship, you're carrying all this baggage into that relationship with you. And so God, in all of his wisdom and goodness, is like, I, listen, I just don't want you to be carrying back unnecessary baggage into what will already be one of the most difficult and challenging relationships of your life. It'll be amazing. It'll be glorious and good, but it'll be challenging if you really care and love about that other love that other person. All of that to say, that's just one of of the list of many that we're about to go through. And there's, he's, he's not just a big meanie in the sky trying to make life not fun. He's trying to say, Hey, if you just listen to me, I can save you so much pain. Yeah. And you're right. Like once you get to marriage and you have to process through all of that, it's like, wow, this is not fun. This is not easy. Uh, you got to open up and talk through it and figure it out and, uh, thank God for his protection and what he wants to lay out before us. Um, and we're not saying, Hey, you've been there. You've already messed up. Like there's no hope for you. No, Jesus can wipe it clean. He can renew it. He can bring new life, new hope in the midst of that. Go to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Confess it to him and say, I'm done with this. Help me to have the strength to move forward. Um, you can have a complete fresh start with God, Um, but you don't want to be digging into that. Like, Oh man, you know what? Well, it it is going to be hard no matter which way you slice it. Right. And it's so important. I just want to highlight that. Like I had, I go in high school, I had so many friends be like, well, I lost, I lost my virginity already. So I'm just not even going to try to to obey the commands of Jesus because it's already gone. And it's like, listen, you, you can have a, 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 (laughs) this sounds like such a, 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 what's that word? Uh, You know, something that gets said all the time. Sorry. Um, cliche. It sounds like such a, a Christian cliche, uh, but you can you can be a virgin in your heart and your mind, uh, in your mentality towards the rest of the world. Meaning, like just because you've made a mistake at some point doesn't mean that it's like, well, it's done. So I'm just going to keep sinning. Like you can just be like, well, it's done, and I'm going to avoid that sin in the future. Like that is also a fair choice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because the scripture continues. And uh, you've got this list. And then Paul says some interesting things like, hey, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of them. And then he says, you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put away all the following anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language. Don't lie to one another. Like he continues the list. And it's like, whoa, hey, you you just said to, to put these things to death, kill them, to stop doing them, put them off, put on a new self. But you're saying we used to walk in them? what what is it like are you no longer doing it or are you still doing it what's the difference there and i think that gets to 
a really crucial truth. Um, and then that'll also relate to the God's wrath verse, I think, as well. Um, so you're going, okay, what if I'm a Christian? Like, I really love Jesus, but I was angry last week. Or I lusted last night. Uh, what happens to me? Am I in big trouble? Um, because it seems like it. And is that how I used to be or is that how I still am? What, what do you have to say about that, Nate? Yeah, uh, I think that, and as we were discussing before the podcast, this indicates a, a continuing action. Uh, so it's those who are doing these things and remaining in these things. Um, so many Christians who claim to follow Jesus are striving to live lives that honor uh, Jesus, not just in word, but in action. Praise God, because that's what we're supposed to do. John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You're not earning God's love. Uh, you're not earning your salvation. Don't hear us wrong. Uh, it, it's nothing like that. You are simply uh, com communicating to God, I love you by how you live. So if you obey him, you're saying, I love you. When you disobey him, it's kind of like saying, I don't love you. And I know that's super harsh, but that would be the inverse of John 14, 15. If you don't obey my commandments, you're communicating to me that you don't really love me, which sounds manipulative, but that's not really manipulative because let's be honest, you're not perfect just the way you are. Uh, that's a lie from our culture. It, whatever. Sorry. I'm getting off on too many rabbit trails here. <laughs> my bad. Uh, all that to say, it's this continuing action idea, right? So uh, if I'm sinning and continuing in that sin and remaining in that sin, even though I claim to be a Christian, uh, you might consider whether or not you are what you actually claim. Yeah, because following Jesus is not just saying a prayer once and then live the life you want to live however you want to live it. Um, you confess him as Lord. That's true belief. That's true faith, meaning you give your life to him. And uh, that changes your life. That changes the directory, trajectory of your life. Um, and you'll notice what it says. It says, you once walked in these things. Whenever you see this concept of walking in the scripture, it's an ongoing lifestyle. That was the marker of your life. That was what your life looked like. It's not saying, oh man, I messed up and I feel so convicted. I feel so bad I did this. Lord, I'm so sorry. That's a marker that the spirit of God's actually in you and convicting you of your sin that you've really given your life to Christ. And so Paul's saying, hey, this used to be your lifestyle. This used to be what your life was marked by. That's not the case anymore. You've been convicted. You feel bad about these things. You've walked out of them. And I know at times these things come up in your hearts and in your community and, and with other people. So keep working hard by God's grace, by God's strength to put them to death, put mm -hmm. them off. And uh, then it goes on. Okay. So, well, we're supposed to live a different way, but what about this God's wrath thing? Uh, I, I always believe God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Uh, he knows how harmful these things are. Um, he's given us free will. In the beginning, we had the choice to love him or to rebel against him. And he, we know Adam and Eve, humanity rebelled. We disobeyed. Uh, we chose our own way over God's way. And therefore, we're in a world of hurt and sin and brokenness and destruction uh, because of that. Um, and I think even getting back to what you said, Nate, love cannot exist 
if free will doesn't exist. Mm. They're this they go hand in hand. People will ask, and I was even asked a lot in Honduras, like, hey, like if God is so good, why is all this suffering going on in the world? And <clears throat> if this is true, what and and I would look at them and I'm like, love. And they're like, what what the heck are you talking about? I'm like, hold on, go with me here. It's a decision, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. God gave us the option to choose to love him we're made in his image so we have that choice and when we choose not to that causes sin and destruction in the world and we know the story and uh if we didn't have that choice it wouldn't be love we would all be imagine if i stand over you and say hey tell me that you love me or i'm gonna punch you in the face and you're like okay fine i love you like that's not really true love well of course Although some people, <clears throat> just to play devil's advocate here, some people would claim that that's what God does. Uh, basically, they would claim he stands over you like a bully and says, if you don't say I love you, I'm going to send you to hell. Yeah, which I would say is really, Scripture indicates hell was created for Satan and his angels. And our choice was, I don't really want what God offers, which is a life of freedom and peace and joy. I don't like it. I don't want it, so I'm going to choose my own path. And our own path leads to chaos, leads to destruction, leads to division. We know how it goes when we're arrogant, even in a in a minuscule action in a relationship. You know how it feels when you're arrogant and you yell at somebody, and there's division, and your heart is like aching. You feel lonely. You you're like, man, that's our decision. And God's like, I don't want that for you. Now put that on an eternal basis. That would be my answer. It's like that was our choice to walk away from the fullness of what he offers. Yeah, I, I think that's the key in understanding that dichotomy is it's who, who what's really sending you to hell? Like, is it is it is it really God that's sending you to hell or is it your sin that's sending you to hell and your choice, which is what you're saying? It And ultimately, the answer to that is your choice to sin is what leads to your punishment. And Jesus gave us a way out of that punishment by taking that punishment on himself, dying on the cross for our sins. That's what he did. Yeah. So if you accept his way out, then you, then, then you're out like that. That's an amazing truth. But if you don't accept your, his way, if you don't accept his way out, yeah. then you have a big problem, which is that someone has to die for your sin. It's either you or it's Jesus. You get the choice. Yeah, and uh, you know what? This kind of skips ahead, and, and maybe we'll come back to some of these verses. There's lots here, I think, uh, that resemble a life of love. Yeah. Even in verse 14, it says, above all. So it lists out all these great things that we should live out. But above all of them, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And I love how the Amplified Bible continues it. It says, after that, for everything is bound together in agreement when one seeks the best for others. So that really helps us know what does love look like? It's we're talking about this relationship with God. We rebelled. So all these things result. But now we're talking about relationship with others, which often they're tied together in the scripture. And uh, it's interesting. Um, the other day or about a month ago for my anniversary, my wife and I uh, were at dinner somewhere and this uh, waitress was like, Hey, huh? oh, it's your anniversary. Congratulations. How long have you guys been married? We're like eight years. She's like, whoa, you guys look like this is like a date that you were just going like your first few dates or something like you're still enjoying it so much. What's your secret? Literally asked that question. And I was like, well, 
uh, I'll tell you, um, our secret is that love is a decision. And she's like, what, what do you mean? I was like, well, uh, we choose to love each other. We choose to serve each other, to lift each other up, to meet each other's needs. That's a decision we make no matter how we feel. Love is not a feeling. Yeah, there are some days we don't feel like it, but we choose to do it still. Uh, I, I then told her, I have a friend who says, you can fall in and out of like with somebody, but if you fall out of love with them, that's your fault. Hmm. Uh, you're choosing to love. Yeah, there are days or there are minutes where you don't like that person because <laughs> come on, man, let's be honest. There, there are minutes you don't like yourself. You're like, man, I just messed up here. Like, we're never going to like everybody 100% of the time, no matter who they are, but we can choose to love. And uh, so I explained that to her and she's like, wow, I really need that in my life. Mm. And I was like, hey, listen, you know, this was only possible for us because of Jesus. And he chose to love us. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead and he's helped us to love each other. Is that something you want in your life? And she's like, yeah, I really do. And so I said, why don't you pray with me right now? She gave her life to Christ at the table at our anniversary, literally because of love. Like that is what brings all of these things together. Um, if you're loving people, I believe the result is all of this kind of organically, naturally happens, of course, by the spirit of God. Uh, <clears throat> humility, gentleness, patience, forgiving one another, all these things lifted off, listed off. Uh, if I love somebody, I'm not going to hurt them with sexual immorality. Like if I love my wife, I'm not going to go commit adultery with somebody else. If if I love you as a friend, I'm not going to lie to you and, and curse you with filthy language. I'm not going to uh, do all these sorts of things that are listed. Really, the outflow, the heart of it, I believe, is love. Um, it's it's interesting on the topic, too. I laughed just last night. Uh, we were trying to teach our three-year-old, like, hey, you need to quit walking so far away from us in this public place with these crowds. Why? They got to ask why to everything. I'm like, somebody's going to steal you and take you and they're going to be a bad person. And she's like, well, what are they going to do if they take me? And I'm like, they're going to do horrible things. They're going to hit you. They're going to hurt you. They're not going to give you any fun toys. You don't want them to take you. And uh, she's trying to process. She's like, okay, I'll stay with you guys. Uh, but what if they take me and I show them kindness? Then what? It's <laughs> like, wow, what a great question. Like, what if I show them kindness? Like, what will happen then? And uh, again, back to what if we put on these types of things that are listed out in this passage? What could actually happen in the world? Absolutely. Uh, powerful testimony, man. It's cool to hear how God's like moving and using. Uh, one of the things I love about one of the things I love about love and uh, is how effective you it, would think it was Valentine's Day or something right yeah. now, but <laughs> is how effective of an evangelism tool it is. Um, you think that someone's going to listen to your little spiel about Jesus if you're treating them poorly? I don't think so. Uh, you, you remember that guy in the Ethiopian airport who walked up to I us? I just thought of that. <laughs> Literally, that's what just came to my mind. Yeah. So this guy walks up to us in the airport in ethiopia we were on a layover and uh you know some western dude hands us a tract and it's like well i don't think you probably understand this anyway but here you go and we like tried to have a conversation with him and he just like walks away and i'm like man he's probably 
going home and telling people, yeah, I'm telling everybody about Jesus. I'm just handing out my tracks, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, meanwhile, the his actions don't look anything like Jesus. Yeah. And like, good luck trying to lead somebody to Christ when you won't even, you know, take two seconds and learn their name and, you know, spend so time hearing about them. It's like the opposite of um, my great uncle who had spent over 40 years in India, reaching unraised tribes for Christ, mobilizing people. He uh, is a guy who likes tracks personally. He has all these different ones they have from their church and stuff, and he hands them out. And it's interesting, actually, little rabbit trail here. He said, you know, some years ago in England where he lives, uh, when I would hand them out, people would rip them up in front of my face and throw them on the ground. And they mm. hate he said, now people are so interested. They're like, wow, what's this? And they want a conversation, mm -hmm. uh, which again points to, I believe it's revival awakening season. Let's take advantage of that. How? By doing what this passage says, loving people truly. And this is a great way that it lists out how we can do that. Uh, but uh, also it points to culture and where it's at and where America's following and how close we are as well, uh, that you had a Christian generation and then you had a post-Christian generation that really hated this stuff. And now you have a post post-Christian generation who's like, what's that? Mm. They don't even know. Right. And it's like God's putting this deep spiritual hunger, I think supernaturally as well. But whatever the case, he had the same tactic, but bathed in love. He mm. still does to this day. He's an old guy now who walks around the park and will hand somebody a track and like, Hey, God loves you. I thought you might want to see this. Like, it's really interesting. And sure. then a lot of people are like, wow, that's really cool. Tell me about it. Um, but what's the difference? It's the heart motive. Like the guy with us, you're right. It's like, we were like, Hey man, that's awesome. Tell us. And then he walked away. I'm like, seriously, we were trying to ask you about it. Right. And, uh, it was like, well, if you don't care about me, why would I care about your message? Absolutely. I feel like this podcast has hit like a thousand different subjects, uh, but I'm about to add one more. Um, as we talk through the list like this one, um, of sin and how it works with love and all of that stuff, um, I feel like there's, we have to thread a very difficult to thread needle, um, because it's far easier as humans to take things to an unreasonable religious extreme. So on one end of the religious extreme in this conversation is, well, God is just all about love and love and love and love and love. And it's not biblical love, it's human definition of love, which is acceptance. And like, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, all this stuff, it's all good. Don't even worry about it. Uh, in fact, I got, I got a Facebook message from my mother-in-law sh sharing about some book uh, that's really popular in media right now, I guess, that apparently writes from God's perspective about certain sins. And uh, anyway, I can't even remember the title of the book. Maybe yeah, I was reading an article about that just this last week too. Yeah. So I don't know, Charlie, maybe you can look it up while I'm talking. But anyway, there's there's this book going around from the perspective of love. And I guess Oprah tried to make it popular or something. And he's like saying all these things that the Bible really says is not OK are OK. And it's kind of like people are coming to God in this book and asking a question and God's giving them the answer that they want to hear. Anyway, so that's one extreme of of this conversation. The other extreme of this conversation is don't taste, don't touch, don't look. Uh, I think we were actually talking about that previously here in the book of Colossians. And like you become these hyper-religious, hyper-vigilant people who are seeking to somehow earn God's favor, earn God's love, 
earn God's grace by what you do. And those are the two extremes. The biblical tension is in the middle uh, where, yes, we want to honor God with how we live and what we do. And also he loves us and he died for us. Um, and these two things have to exist cooperatively. The, these are not opposing truths. These are the same. They're yeah. just two sides of the same coin. And we have to we have to learn what does it look like in my heart and in my mind to be obe obeying Jesus because I love him, not because I'm trying to earn his love. And also not just like going around spreading lies about God's love being like, yeah, he's just okay with everything because he's not okay with everything. Like you're doing people a huge disservice if you're just walking around telling them, oh yeah, God loves you. Like, or God is okay with whatever you do. He loves you. That That's true. He died for sinners. <laughs> like he loves you, but he's not okay with everything that we do. Uh, so we have to, we have to thread this needle and it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do. And when you talk to different people, they're going to have different perspectives. Like you can see some iteration of this conversation of, uh, of people on the spectrum on social media all the time. I'll be scrolling through and someone will be lambasting the, the very uh, religious people. And then I'll be scrolling through and someone will be lambasting the really loving people and like blah, blah, blah. And you just go and you go and you go and you just see everybody arguing. And I'm like, listen, it's both. And we got to, we got to bring these things together because yeah. the Bible brings these things together. There's a great, a great uh, quote, I believe, by Martin Luther, and he said, faith alone saves, but faith is never alone. Mm. And there's another great quote. Uh, don't know who said it, but it's kind of this well-known concept, uh, which is um, God loves you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you where you are. Mm. And both of those reflect the same sentiment. Uh your faith is dead if it doesn't have good works that follow, meaning your life hasn't changed. It's not true faith then. You haven't really believed. You haven't really submitted and surrendered your life to Jesus. Mm. Uh, and that shows us God's love, his love for us, that he wants to take us along. He wants to take us further. He wants to transform us into the fullness of life that he has to offer for us. And so much in the Bible, family is the picture of the gospel, husbands and wives and their kids. That's supposed to represent the picture of God to this planet. And um, I think, man, because I love my family, I am not okay with everything going on in my family. Mm -hmm. I, I Am I okay with you coming in and hurting my kids? No, you better believe you're going to see some wrath if you do that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'll do anything to fight you out of my house if you're going to do that. Uh, I'm not okay with that because of my love. Um, or am I okay with my kids fighting each other and hurting each other? No, they're going to get big consequences if they're hitting each other with toys because I'm not okay with it because of my love for them. And uh, I think it's the same way with God. We start to get some weird picture of love when we take it out of context. Uh, when you put it in that context, it starts to make perfect sense. And to add on to what you're saying, it's, uh, it's really important that we use God's word as the standard because you'll talk to pastors, people and Christians and all these people who claim to be these things that uh, they, they claim to be submissive to the word of God. But in reality, they have the, the answers that they're giving you are not what's represented in God's word. So like like greed, for example, we've all we've almost made greed. OK, but here in Colossians, yeah, here in Colossians, it's saying um, greed is idolatry. Yeah. So you're you're worshiping stuff instead of worshiping me. 
And uh, that's a huge problem. Uh, that's, a, that's a major issue. But our culture is just kind of, yeah, great. yeah, that's great. Make as much money as you can and this and that. And it's not really that big of a deal. It's not as, it's not as bad as people's, you know, like just, just make sure that if you're going to compare yourself to something, don't, don't just go off the word of some pastor. Don't go off the word of some Christian friend, go off the word that God writ, God wrote, and, uh, you won't be led astray. And so what's the result of all of this? Like if we actually live this way, what happens? I think it's clear the perfect bond of unity. Mm. We are unified and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. We'll have this thankfulness, this gratitude that will kind of well up in our hearts. And um, verse 11 is phenomenal. Uh, this truth in Christ, there's not Greek or Jew circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Mm. We have these social and ethnic divisions that were going on in this time with the Colossian people. Look around in our world. We have some of those going on today too. Uh, all sorts of divisions going on right now. Um, man, I mean, we could, well, that's like a can of worms, extreme amounts of divisions worldwide going on right now. And when you start to live this way in Christ, those realities play out. There's complete mm -hmm. unity. N none of none of them are are less or more than the other. They're all at the foot of Jesus. And what does it mean that he's all in in all? Does that mean like, well, Jesus is in every human because they're made in his image and he's in everything in the planet? No, that's not what it means. It's very contextual talking about these groups of people like, hey, the Holy Spirit, Jesus he can reside in them too. Mm -hmm. He's in the Jews and he's in the non-Jews. So like they're equal at the foot of the cross. Like you don't have to divide. Well, actually this, this group was better than that group because this one was kind of barbarian and this one. No, 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 not that way in the body of Christ. And what does it mean? He's all, well, he is all, he's there. Everything. He should be everything to us and he can invade any background, any group, any ethnicity, you name it, any region, he is all in, in all of these. Mm. It's true. And, uh, it's, it's amazing how, uh, how love has this power, uh, to bring people together. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, I'm talking first Corinthians 13, love, love that's patient and kind, yeah. not envious or boastful, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Um, as defined by scripture, that's the love I'm talking about. When you when you walk in that kind of love, um, it's amazing. Like I, that's that's the love you were showing for Dara that night that that lady decided to follow Jesus, right? Like that's the love that you showed to that lady when she decided to follow Jesus. Uh, it's that love that is attractive to people that uh, can bring people together. I, my whole life, uh, I've struggled with popular people. Um, I've just never been a popular person <laughs> and uh, I've always just struggled. Like even when I go and like preach at a, a summer camp, I like, I get taken back to like the lunch table in middle school and like feeling all the feelings that I felt as a, as a seventh grader sitting at these tables with other, with current seventh graders and the popular kids. And I, I thought to myself, man, what can I do? Uh, Cause you know, some of these kids, they, especially in that category, for whatever reason, they go to camp because mommy and daddy made them or whatever. Uh, they're not really there because they want Jesus. They're there for the boys or the girls or the whatever. And uh, 
I've realized that they just need to be loved like anybody needs to be loved. And one of the things that's helped me to bridge the gap between my awkwardness and their coolness or their popularity um, has been just like getting to know them and caring about them and, and you know, learning their names and all kinds of stuff. I was at a camp a couple years ago and, uh, you know, the, the bad boy club uh, walked up to me on day like eight of this camp and said, you know, you're the only speaker who has ever taken the time to get to know us and like learn our names and learn who we are and stuff like, like nobody that we can remember has ever done that. And like, we're really thankful. And they listened more intently uh, to the message because of love. So all that to say, I'm just saying love is this incredibly powerful, amazing tool that God can use. Yeah. The love of Christ, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. And so how do we get there? What do we do? We, we could wrap up with this. Um, set your mind on Jesus. He lived this out. He's a great example, and he'll be the power within you to do this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And uh, verse 16 said, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Like, man, get up close to Jesus. Get in his word. That word richly in the Greek language means copiously, hmm. like an unnecessary amount, unnecessary amount. Let it dwell copiously, unnecessarily, richly among you within you so get into the word of god and it's going to start bubbling up within you get up close to jesus and his presence is going to be bursting out forth from you like i i want to i long to show his love and then decide and choose and discipline yourself and determine that you're going to put others before yourself in any scenario that you find yourself in hmm. absolutely well thank you guys for joining this latest episode of fuel for the harvest we hope you have a great rest of your day god bless